0: This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered legal advice. The transmission of information on this podcast is not intended to establish, and receipt of such information does not establish or constitute an attorney-client relationship. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Welcome to the Thompson-Coburn podcast series, Talking Pop Health. I'm Eric Tower, a transactional healthcare attorney at Thompson Coburn. Our first speaker in the series was Lee Sachs, who's widely considered one of the pioneers in the areas of clinical integration and population healthcare. In our talks with him, we discussed the origins of clinical integration and population healthcare, some lessons he's learned, and we looked into our crystal ball to see what the future may hold for population healthcare. Our next guest is Deb Geisler, principal at Activate Healthcare. Whereas Dr. Sachs examined population health care through the lens of a leader at a large health system, Deb's focus is on employer-based health clinics as a solution to providing high quality outcomes at the lowest possible cost. Hi, Deb. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, just to tee things off, could you give us a little bit about your background? Sure.
1: Um, health care for 35 years. Um, actually started with the Trinity Health System in Ann Arbor. Uh, recruited to Wisconsin, had a little bit of a background with labor relations and starting up new companies at, at, through the systems. Um, then recruited to be CEO of Advocate Medical Group. Um, uh, I will say the one, that, and then CEO of Harvard Vanguard Atrius Health in Boston. Um, I did learn along the way that um, there's differences in the way geographies manage their health systems and their clients, and the things that I actually liked about. Um, The Wisconsin-Minnesota experience is that you have a lot of doctors driving the care versus health systems. Um, And when you, we actually treated our hospital as a cost center of of the physician group, because you look at Marshfield, you've got Mayo, you've got Dean Clinic, you've got large provider groups. And uh, the move to Chicago was a bit like, ah, it's really system driven. Um, And the providers are just an access point to the systems. They're not necessarily driving the health care. So I was finding that just a little bit disappointing because we are blessed in this market area to have fabulous providers and great ideas and great quality, but really the focus tended to be more about what's good for the system. So that's where I started to get very interested in how do we work with our providers more effectively and how do we make them more accessible to getting to the right care to the right
0: people. So could you tell us about what Activate's care model is?
1: activate. So I was part of a study in Boston with uh, some other CEOs to try to look at how do we develop a better system for for, um, patients. And it was also at the same time when there was a whole push around consumerism and the patient was supposed to make good choices. And I used to say, I've been in healthcare for a long time and I can't make a good choice because it's really hard to tell how do you make a good healthcare decision choice? How do you identify what quality is, uh, even if you know a lot about healthcare? So Um, So I decided to take a look at how could we make healthcare better, and I wanted to see from a point of view of the patient, are we, when we see them, are we actually taking care of their root cause issue or are we just patching them up and waiting until we see them the next time? And if we actually spent more time with our patient, could we reduce some of that repeat follow-up and improve their quality of care? And so I did a study in that and found that it was embarrassing to me, frankly, because because if we would have spent more time with the patient to the beginning to find out why do you have this cause versus this is the cause that you have, we would have really been able to improve them, work with their lifestyle, and um, and reduce their visits downstream, take care of them more holistically versus just one piece at a time. There was also a lot of fragmentation going on. I, I'll never remember. A, a patient came to my office and um, said to me, uh, I use your cardiologist. I use your GI. I use... All of your specialists, I can't get anybody to return my phone call because nobody knows, nobody wants to own which part of me that I have a question about. So I was sort of like, okay, well, we need to get you to a primary care provider to start looking at your total care because you, because you're right, nobody's going to return your call. Um, so the key to me was putting primary care back in the center. And I was, uh, I was talking, um, giving a talk in New York at Columbia University to talk about healthcare and how we could improve it. And I was introduced to my business partner who is CEO of Stake and Shake. Um, And he was looking at it from the point of view of I've got 20,000 employees that I have to provide insurance for, and as I look at the healthcare system and the delivery model, I don't see anybody really trying to improve the health of my patients. I see them managing their sick care, but not necessarily telling me how to get them healthier and how to reduce the cost. So we got together and created Activate Healthcare after, you know, my story about how I thought we could improve health and his story about nobody's managing the cost. so when we decided to get together, I had several um, rules that I wanted to make sure that we followed if we were going to create an organization. And the first one was, uh, we need to hire the providers full time. We need to care for our providers. We need, to, we need to have them not worry about RVUs, but worry about um, the patient. Um, and that would be, they spend 100% of their time and have a quality of life and we salary them and we bonus them for the right things, which is patient satisfaction, uh, quality outcomes, and a unique participation. And the other thing I wanted to make sure was we reduce the barriers for patients um, in that is there's no cost to the patient to get the care. Um, They're able to come in and spend as much time as they can with the provider. It's not a five or 10 minute visit. It's as much as a a patient needs to be able to, to understand their health. And we're going to make sure that we don't just treat the symptom, but we understand their lifestyle issues as well as their medication issues and their ma- their medical history. So uh, we had to combine both because it's, it's really the patient that it can improve their health, not the provider. The patient is the only one that can improve their health. They have to understand compliance. They have to understand how their behavior contributes to their health or detracts from, and we really need to guide them and have them make their own choices about how they manage their
0: health. So you've really turned the reimbursement methodology you've, you've eliminated the common ways how do you determine that that the doctors are being efficient and, and successful?
1: well so so we are very selective when we hire providers it's a it's a we want them first of all we always say we're looking for a provider coming to the model not going away from the model and you'll hear a lot about primary care who feel like they're burned out because they're tired of the RVU system they're, they have to see more and more patients to to maintain their compensation. They're charting on their EMRs at night, um, and none of those are good quality of care. None of that contributes to quality of care. So what we wanted to do is make sure that, a number one, we take care of their quality of life. They work forty hours in the clinic. They don't. They need to chart as they go, so that when they go home and they shut off, they don't have any call. There is no call. Um, but we also wanted them to say, you can practice medicine the way you want to practice medicine. That is get to know the patient, get to understand them and manage the patient more holistically. And so many of our providers were saying, gee, I'd love to spend more time with our patient, but number one, I don't have the time. I I, don't, I can't squeeze them in anymore. Number two, it costs the patient every time they see me and they're not necessarily gonna come so I can spend more time with them. And so we find that providers actually love the idea of saying, I get to know my patient. I get to manage them holistically. We've removed the barriers of them coming back and forth. I can sit down with them and learn about them, and I can understand the root cause of what's driving their health care issues. I can educate them and teach them.
0: So a lot of people have argued that the the solution to a lot of the issues is to make patients responsible for the cost of their own care through high-deductible health plans, that kind of thing. Um, Your model is obviously very different. Uh, What have you noticed in that regard?
1: Well, first of all, um, what I've noticed is that when we started... Transferring the risk to the patient, what we started seeing was patients putting things off. Um, and we even though the physicals would be at no cost, there still was a lot of concern about if I go get a physical and I need more care, I need more specialty care, I need procedures, that's out of pocket for me. Um, and there, uh, there's some intimidation and fear about that. In our, in our model, we go in and work with the employer and we want to engage the entire population. We want to have it at no cost We want to be able to dispense generic drugs at no cost to the patient we want to provide labs at no cost to the patient and the provider is hired selectively they the provider is interviewed by the company that that we support so the ceo and the provider you know they they feel like it's a match and for the patient they have it's the experience that counts so they actually get somebody who's going to sit down and listen to them and somebody who's going to care about them somebody's going to manage their total care not just not just a physical or proactive outreach but actually listening to um, how are you feeling when did you feel good do you know um, uh, what other questions do you have? Because when you think about the patient, when they make a finally make a, a, an appointment with a primary care doctor, usually they have like five or 10 questions they want to ask. And then they sit in the waiting room and they narrow that down to three or four questions. And then they sit in the exam room and they narrow that down to one question. Then they just want to get out of it because they've been waiting all day. So with us, the patient actually gets seen on time they get to see their provider. The provider will answer, listen to their whole story. As we always say, it's not the 10-second rule where the provider listens and, and tells you what's going on. It's the patient tells the story first. Then we decide how we're going to manage the patient. And we, we shape the care plan around the patient. How do we fit their lifestyle? How do we work with them? What are their concerns and issues? The patients love that experience because they're not, in, they're not intimidated. No question's a bad question. We're not going to preach to them about stop eating, smoking, um, exercise. We're going to listen to their story and their quality of life. And we're going to guide a plan that, that they help select and we're going to support them with. And they love it.
0: So where do you get your customers or what type of entities are interested in engaging with
1: Activate? So so a lot. most of the time our, our entities that are coming to the table are organizations that understand the, the high cost of medical care. And um, so they want to be able to see if so when you, th- when you think about it from a customer's point of view, it's still sort of common these days to have 5% to 30% of your population drive 80% of your costs. And so they just don't know how to control those costs, how to avoid them, how to improve them. So they don't know what's in that dollar amount. They, somebody comes every year and says, here's what your insurance rate is. So they're looking at, how do I control my costs? Then when we talk to them we're actually trying to engage the total population which is there's 40 to 60 percent of any given employer population that's not accessing health care at all they're waiting until they get to that catastrophic event so our customers are people who understand we've got to control the health care spend and we've got to improve the quality of our of our employee base so usually it's the privately held companies because they understand how their how their benefit costs work and what, how they they know where every dollar and dime is and so they understand that uh, and they, they're very paternalistic for the most part about their employee base. Um, we have a lot of city, county, uh, school districts and government entities because they, they need to sometimes work on their benefit plan plan structure and manage their health care costs at the same time offering a better benefit for people to be able to understand they're getting going to get better care ultimately because they have a provider who's going to sit and listen to them and manage their total care. And then we have a lot of our Taft-Hartley groups who really are responsible for their populations and deliver their care, and they understand the cost of benefits and how to provide better care for their population.
0: So uh, what do you think about some of the large employers who have been using the centers of excellence and flying patients for cardiology care to certain health systems and that kind of thing?
1: so they're looking, at, they're looking at the episode and they're looking at managing that quality cost of that episode. They're not looking at the total care of that patient. So when we started Activate, we wanted to say, anybody can open up access and increase it. You can, you can negotiate prices all day long, but are you, really, are you really managing the total care of that patient? How did they get there in the first place? Why do they need that surgery? You know, what, what, Are they going to be compliant? Do they understand their health? A lot of times we talk to patients and they don't understand, how did I become a diabetic? What does diabetes mean? How does that impact my life? Um, So we're able to really sit down with the patient and sit down and say, tell me your life story and let's manage your healthcare more collectively. These episodic things are not going to bend the curve. They're just taking care of the quality at the time. They're actually just taking care of that episode.
0: So if you're not paying, you're you're paying your doctors a flat fee, um, how do you get paid?
1: We will go in and we'll talk to the organization and we'll see um, how many employees do they have. Do they want their family members to be covered and typically what happens is an employer will have all of their employees be eligible to use a clinic and they'll usually have their family members who are on their insurance plans be able to use the clinic. Then we look at how many numbers and members of population there is to manage. We build a staffing plan for them so our panels for our providers are usually anywhere between 900 and 1200 belly buttons that's individuals that they would manage um, and uh, then we charge them a per member per month fee
0: so you mentioned the family members what if someone has a 20 mile commute it's you know accessing your clinics can't be terribly easy under those circumstances
1: you know what here's we actually had what early 10 years ago when we started this we actually had an organization that was 30 miles away from our clinic and they wanted to join. We allow other organizations to join. And we work the staffing around it. So we may start with one employer, but it, but after two or three years, we may have 10 employers in that clinic and we just keep adding staff to it and adding more population. So we had an organization that was 30 miles away that wanted to join the clinic. I'm like, why would you want to join? It's 30 miles away. And what they, what they said was, here's what happens to them. They could send their person down to the street corner to where, where they were and they'd be gone all afternoon. Or they could send them 30 minutes to our clinic. They would be seen on time. They would, they would get all their issues taken care of, and they'd walk out with a prescription and their labs done all in one organization. And they could be back to their offices faster than they could be if they went down to the street corner. And they'd get all their care more efficiently and more effectively. The other thing that happens too is because we're not billing and we're not in the RVU system, if we do a comprehensive physical and evaluation on somebody, we don't always have to see them to take care of their issues because we already know what's going on with them. We can do a telehealth visit with them. We can do a phone visit with them. It's really about managing that patient, how best to manage them. So it's not uncommon. We've had people drive an hour and a half to go to the clinic. They know they're going to be seen at 10. They're seen at 10. They spend as much time and we don't, and again, because we're not worried about the RVUs, you could come for a physical but we're going to take care of a dermatology problem, a cardiology problem, any a rash, anything that you else that's going on at the same time. We don't care because we're taking care of the total patient. We're not worried about the type of visit, how much time we have, you know, what's the condition. Do, are we billing for for different variations of things? We're just taking simply taking care of that patient. And so, on average, what I figure is about thirty percent of our visits are. Probably multiple type visits rolled into one, just because we can do that.
0: So, if you're working with multiple employers in a geography and you have multiple clinics, do people have to come to the clinic at their workplace, or, you know, if I'm out running errands or something and all of a sudden something happens, can I, can I swing by? I'm getting sick.
1: Most of our most of our employers like the idea of sharing, not only sharing opening their clinics to have their populations come in, but sharing to say. Um, if your family lives in a, a community where there's a, another Activate Clinic that's close, they could go to that clinic or they could come to the employer-based clinic. They have, actually have access to any one of the Activate Clinics in their region. Um, and it makes it nice and convenient. The other thing that we do a little bit different is we, we understand our, our employer organization population, and so the hours are really built around the population. So we know, as an example, school districts, like to be seen earlier before they get to their classroom. So our clinics may be open at 6 a.m. We know that with some of our Taft-Hartleys, they really they like really come after work so that's really busy between 3 and 7 p.m. So our hours are variables across each of our clinics based on the population we're serving. Um, the one thing we've found is that most people don't like to go on Friday afternoons and Saturdays because they don't need to because they have so much access through the week to, to come in the same day or next day.
0: So what's to stop me from opening up Eric's medical clinic and, you know, having a doc work there and plop someone down in an office and just doing this? I mean, how is this different?
1: Do, as I always say, the first thing is uh, it's good to have primary care and make it available, but you really have to be able to have proactive outreach to get all the right people in ahead of time, not just wait until there's a, um, a condition that has come up to drive them to it. You have to have a provider who's going to say, let's get to the root cause of what's going on with your, um, with your total situation. And I'll, I can give you an example, because I can talk now about But we, we, um, we have a, an organization that's in rural, a rural state, and they bring in a lot, they can't find enough workers, so they bring a lot of people into the country from different locations. And so we had a patient that showed up that had high triglycerides, Low sodium, high A1C numbers were all off the chart. Our provider was going, like, "Wow, if I were practicing in a typical health system, I would be sending you directly to the ER for fluids and put you on metformin and take care of all these issues, because um, you know this is you're not in really good shape at all." So, but he said, "I have the opportunity to sit down and to have you tell me my story." And the patient was saying, "You know, I I moved to this country. I don't I don't I live by myself. I'm a 40 year old male." Um, I've been living on nothing but white rice for five years so our provider was like let's just take a chance here and let's work on your diet <laughs> I'll give you a little we'll, we'll, well I'm not gonna send you to the ER I'm gonna work on your diet we're gonna work on some other things but I'm not gonna send you I'm gonna m- manage you doesn't cost you anything to come here we're gonna work on it we're gonna take care of it and the numbers were down within three weeks it, now if the patient had not gone to the ER Absolutely, they would have gotten quality care, but they would have gotten quality care with the symptoms that were showing up, not with the problems that was going on with the patient.
0: So how would you compare the the care that Activate provides with some of the systems that say they're involved in population health care?
1: We actually have a contained population, so our providers are dedicated to the population. They actually, we manage the cohort's progress or not progress, so we can see year over year, are we actually improving your care? Are we taking care of your family? We're seeing the same patients. We have, we have our very first clinic we opened that was 10 years ago. We're still seeing all that, all those patients. So we know those patients really well. We know their lifestyles, we know their work styles, we know their health conditions, we manage their referrals, we manage all of that. so. So we really understand the intensity, and as I always say, if I were still over a health system, when the patient leaves the door, I'm not really, they're not part of my problem that much. When a patient leaves our door, we worry about everything they do. Are they getting enough sleep? Are they taking their medications on time? We've literally had our providers go to the floors of a manufacturing company and make sure the patient's taking their their, their medications at the right time, or taking care of whatever their issue was. So we really have that freedom not to just See the patient how we want to but go visit them we can get out on the floors and see them we can go to their houses we can see whatever it is we need to do to take care of them so so the difference is it's much more intensive about worrying about the total care of the patient and it's not just about pop health and looking at the data and saying oh we've we've got high high risk patients over here and we tend to look at the data and say you know we should be managing the high risk population well these people down here who aren't engaged yet and a lot of systems treat the people they see but not don't know about the hidden population that's laying out there to be seen, these people need a, a, attention as well. We wanna prevent them from getting up here into the high-risk population. So we encourage our total population of any one given organization and their families to come in and get established care, or come in and get a physical, or come in and just let us have a conversation with you so we can understand from the very beginning, are there risk factors that could effectively impact your care? and let's make some choices now if you can or want to you know we don't try to preach to the patient we give them the choices if you want to we can do that but catching people early getting them engaged we can actually see how we're managing them and avoiding them becoming a diabetic we see so many people who are pre-diabetic that don't understand what it means to become diabetic and then we can measure our real care at that same population that same cohort year over year over year
0: Um and presumably you've done that i mean what kind of results have you achieved
1: we, we we i don't have the data in front of me but we do it by organization so we can actually we actually start with the patients who have come in to see us versus some patients who don't their conditions that they have and and uh have they improved or maintained and so we give an annual report every year to the clients to so say here's the populations that we're managing here's who's improved and here hasn't but i would say Overall, we probably see um, probably two thirds of the population that we're managing get see improvements. So,
0: and how does that translate into the costs for the employer? I mean, you're you're an add on for any self insured fund or whatever way they choose to elect to get coverage. You know, on, how does this help them?
1: We have over 150 employers, and on average, they get a dollar in return for every dollar that they put in. Um, and and then not only that, but but as an example, our first organization we brought in, the first year, we reduced our health care spend by 28%. But their trend going forward is usually, of our population, is usually 0 to 3.5%. It's not the 5 to 8% that everybody else is getting an increase in their insurance plans because we know the population. We're managing them effectively. Here's the other nice thing, too. So you're an employer you have an on-site clinic, and we try to get unique participation. That means we're penetrating the whole population because if we just see those that decide to come, we're gonna end up managing that same 20 or 30% population. But if we try to engage the whole population, we try to get to 65% uh, participation for those dispersed populations and 85% for those that are in that same category in the first year. So now if you're an employer and you always kind of focused on that, you know, 5 to 20% that drove your 30% cost, now you have 85% of your employees engaged in a clinic. Now you have a provider team that's committed only to you. And you can sit down and go, gee, what, what are the biggest problems with my employee population? How do I design my benefit plan? I've got savings now. I've saved dollars. Now I'm managing it. Now I have a team that's managing my population. How do I design my benefit plan? How do I encourage is there some programs we should take on? And a lot of times the CEOs will say, you know what, let's do a, an effort-long uh, year-long pro- program on how to uh, manage tobacco abuse or we know nutrition's bad for maybe we have a trucking company where it's hard for them when they're out how do we how do we show them how nutrition works or we know exercise is bad for people who the uh, truckers again that might be a problem where they don't get exercise and so we've actually seen some videos and helped work with that the other thing is our providers know the organizations and they can be advice to the CEOs so they can um, go in and say, we had one of our organizations where our provider was seeing a lot of shoulder injuries, so he went out and walked the floor and he saw what was going on and he took the CEO out and he said, see these trailer hitches to these trucks? You replace those, you're going to reduce 50% of your shoulder issues because you're just doing all of these things that are that are creating more problems. So we're actually able to give advice on things like that but we really know our population. We know our population from work, we know our population from among the patient. So if I'm an employer and I got uh, people on my team and I now know what's going on with my health care spend and I'm saving money, why wouldn't I
0: want to do that? So I had a question for Lee. He started talking about the extent to which there are food deserts and, you know, we really need to start addressing a lot of social issues. Social in- Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it sounds like you're right there with him in that regard, but, but maybe even further insofar as you've got people embedded into the organization's.
1: Part of our training process is to have our <coughs> providers spend at least a day or a day and a half with the CEO talking about the mission values in the organization. So we're we a good reflection of them. But a lot of times they'll go to new employee orientation and they'll go out and work on the line. Our, one of our doctors was with a beverage distributor. He went out and distributed beer with the truck drivers so he could see what they were doing. We have the bus company and our one of our 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 physician went out on the routes to see what it's like to be a bus driver all day so they understand now and a lot of our providers have come back and gone man this is incredible because had i just been seeing them i wouldn't have gotten the whole picture of what's happening with them during their day and the work that they're doing and how it impacts their lives and their health and so it's really great for them to have that total
0: comprehensive picture so you were talking earlier about geographic differences in healthcare. care um, do you see Activate as scaling throughout the country, or in a particular region, or what? Are, what are the plans?
1: There isn't any population that we can't fit into the model. Um, so we have organizations that are as small as 25 employees, and we have organizations that are as large as um, you know 100,000. Um, but it's really about how do we um, how do we scale with staffing and the training, and make sure we have. Uh, appropriate access for everybody who's eligible so it it literally we have we're from california to maryland um the only change that changes from geography is really kind of the way people receive their care so we might see in some certain geographies there's more specialty care than there is primary care we may see in some areas there's more urgent care than there is primary care so we kind of are able to see just how people are receiving that care
0: uh, it sounds like a lot of this is very customized do you apply protocols across your entire enterprise or how you know a truck driver is going to have a very different set of needs than a school teacher
1: when we when we sit down to start an organization we we know a lot of the segments so we may look at um um let's see a a manual labor type organization and say gee we might want to have a do or we might want to have somebody who's trained in a fellowship of Muscle skeletal tissue issue, so sports medicine fellowship. So we, we start to divide, design the, the service-type things that are needed. So a lot of the manufacturing we may end up doing a lot of drug testing or hearing testing or things like that because it's just part of their, their service. Um, but we really try to create the team that's got some knowledge about how to work with that population. So it's it's customized to the to the organization, but it's also the delivery of care is really, pretty darn consistent. So we we really do a lot of measurement, quality review, grand rounds, um, shared chart reviews to make sure that we're delivering high quality care. But as I always say, the the experience is the same, the services will vary by the
0: organizations. So. Um, What do you see as the future for Activate Health? What do you want it to become?
1: There's 60 million people to come to to be able to. So I think the other cool thing is that um, because we're not doing RVUs, we don't we can put providers in places where they would never be able to make a living so uh, we had a nassau medical director move from the state of washington to southern indiana because he wanted to be a farmer he could not have lived in that small community and had a good living and been able to treat patients they want to so we have no we can do rural, we can do big city, we can do medium-sized because the providers like the model, they love it, they love taking care of the patients and seeing the results and seeing people get healthier. They like having a quality of life and they like to have that freedom that they can live anywhere they want to. So so, so that's one part. The second part is employers love having somebody actually understanding and taking care of their population and seeing the cost savings and that happens for any size of the groups. Um, and. And patients love the idea that they have somebody who's managing their total health care. It's not just, you know, here, go see a specialist. It's no, we're going to co-treat with that specialist so we can manage all of your care. And so they love it because they're seeing the quality of health. They're understanding it. And um, our pipeline is huge and growing. I think it's going to continue to just get better because nobody nobody wants to give up that freedom and up that, give up that, that medical home, so to speak, for their, for their patients.
0: Are there any specific lessons that you've drawn from your time creating and then expanding, activate, that, that might help people work better in pop health?
1: Um, what I see a lot of times is people are trying to, um, trying to, they're trying to find a solution without engaging the patient. So a lot of times you'll find people are sitting around saying they know how to take care of the population. They'll add technology, they'll add kiosks, they'll add you know all kinds of things of services. When, when in reality, what it turns out to be is you've got to engage the patient. It's really about the patient. It's really about the service for the patient. It's about understanding the patient. And um, that becomes clear to me that um, you can't fix the patient unless the patient wants to be fixed and they understand why. And But too many groups out there really want to just fix the patient. Uh, and it's you've got to engage the patient. So the things that I learned that was different for me was... Um, the amount of people who just aren't engaged in healthcare right now, it's huge, and and they don't have a lot of opportunities to get engaged, and they don't understand how to use healthcare very well. A lot of times they'll wait for that catastrophic event to get into healthcare. Um, that that as Sometimes as on the healthcare side and the system side, we, we keep looking and studying the population we're seeing, but we've forgotten those people. So there's a lot of services that we can do to really engage more people. Um, we need to put the patient back in the center. Um, We need to hear their story. We need to respect the patient. I mean, when we first started, we thought we would have the physician do the medical management and a nurse practitioner or PA do the health coaching. And that was wrong. (laughs) It didn't work very well because the patient had to tell their story twice. So what I mean respect the patient, listen to them, but don't make them tell their story 10 times to 10 other people. Guide them, understand them, have a a true provider managing their care. and then we have all our providers learn coaching versus um, just telling them to go on their way and here's your problem. So we really tried to marry med- medical management with the lifestyle management because it has to go hand in hand. Um, so, uh, And in reality, when it gets down to it, the patient really likes being listened to and respected and it's the basics that really count.
0: So when I hear you talk, it almost seems as if you're talking about lifestyle coaching more so than... Uh, medical interventions in the in the traditional sense i,
1: I hate saying yes yeah, so oh, i'm sorry that I say, to... no no go ahead i, I appreciate you saying it but the one thing that i that we always tried to do was we always knew that wellness plant wellness didn't work right
0: uh, uh, trust me i saw plenty of that in yeah advocating. so
1: wellness does not work why because the patients were resistant just like they didn't like hmos because it felt like you're trying to do something to me you're trying mm-hmm. to
0: control me well why don't we I'll ask a question and just feed into that.
1: But you know, it's just so. But what we tried to do is we tried to say, let's teach you about your health, and then we're going to help guide, make you help you guide you to the right choices about your health. So it is still kind. Of, we try to coach them that way, but it's coaching, and it is coaching with medical management.
0: Okay, how about I ask this question? Um, might some employees think that this is sort of a big brother there to control and and you know force you to do certain things?
1: So early on, when we first started ten years ago, there were people who were very skeptical, thinking you know my employer just wants to find out about me and they're going to use that against me. Um, and we we do a lot of communication to people about why are we doing this because we want to have want you to have immediate access to good primary care. We want to we want a population or a group, of clinical team that's going to take care of your health. And we're going to manage your total care, your referrals, um, you know, your coaching, your proactive uh, physicals, and your acute care. Same team, you're going to automatically reduce um, costs. And dispense generic drugs at no cost to the patient and labs. So there was a lot of skepticism at that point when we first started. Over the years, there's been more and more cost shifting going on across the country. And it's just hard for people to manage their health care dollars because they've got huge deductibles. They're going to have to pay a lot. You take a family of four who's got, you know, kids that need school physicals and, um, you know, somebody who may have some kind of condition that needs medication and you've got somebody who has to have frequent visits. It's, they're just going to come because it's more cost effective and they learn to trust a provider. So it's, it's changing all the time.
0: So a lot of companies have these online wellness programs and other interventions. And having having been part of those, I know those are sometimes received a little skeptically. Um, how are things different with Activate?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, they should view, view them skeptically. They don't have, in my estimation, they don't add a lot of value. <laughs> but because um, you don't know the person, you're missing part of it. It's sort of like I also feel like when we're just doing HRAs, you know, or uh, biometrics, you know, we'll do the biometrics and people think they really contributed something. Well, you're getting half of the story. You're getting some of the numbers, but you're not getting that why they had the numbers, right? So you need the total picture. So so I don't think it works. I think you have to know the whole patient. You have to know the whole person behind it. You have to know their conditions, how they manage their health, how they think, what's their value, what's important to them. Um, And people like to learn about themselves, but they don't like to be told what to do. And they don't like to be forced into trying to follow a category or Um, fit into a pattern so so we don't do that we try to respect each and every individual who walks in and try to try to work with them about how they want to improve their care or not so frankly some people come in and say i'm not improving my care you know i'm not you know we'll have a lot of patients come in and say look you know i'm big boned i'm never going to lose weight my family's always smoked or always doing that and the first thing we go is all right those are your choices um Let's talk about what that might do for your risk factors. And here's some things that might or might or might not happen. A lot of times, those are the first people that come back, and they lose weight and they give up smoking. But nobody's ever just sat down and said, "Let's talk about what your choices are."
0: So, so it's not one of these where, "Hey, your body mass index is high. You know, if you don't lose X pounds, yeah. you're not getting this bonus payment."
1: Right. Right. It, it's really about the only again, the only person who can change and improve is the patient. If they understand that, so yeah, I mean. It is it is letting the patient do the talking, and it is letting them help decide, I, I want to do this or I'm not going to do this. But it's it's about an education and understanding and respecting them. So,
0: so you would say the free will lives and activate. health. I
1: would say that, yes. <laughs> I believe that's true. So I've had some arguments with the providers that go, best practices, we got to do this and this. And I go, best practice first, engage your patient, hear from them. And, and frankly, a couple things I see happening around the country is that um, – People have a lot of choices where they can go, right? There's a lot of urgent cares everywhere. Um, and there are people who will actually give people what they, what they want. I mean, one of our first patients, the very first patient that walked in in the first clinic that we had, they came in and said, well, I'm going on vacation. I think I'm catching something. I need an antibiotic. We're like, well, no. I mean, it doesn't require an antibiotic. <laughs> but they were, but a lot of times patients have gotten into the mode of directing their own care. They'll say, "I think I need to go to the doctor because I've got I need an X-ray on this, and I need an antibiotic for this, and I need this." And they'll start directing their care. And people are so busy, and a lot of times they get away with it. In our case, we are have to have a lot of conversation with the patient to go. Let's just first learn about you and what's going on, and let's understand. Do you really need an antibiotic or not? And what are the what are the challenges of having too many antibiotics? And let's educate you on that. And so it's really a learning process. Our what we call the activate activate way is and we train our providers on is listen first, teach what we're hearing, educate, and then coach on the patient, what choices would you like to make? And, and yes, there's the, the latest and greatest um, trend is also to talk about social determinants. And what I say about that is this, uh, when you can give a person the gift of health, when you can empower them to understand, I have control over my health, we start to see that confidence build in other areas. We can't fix, you know, their their family life or you know, or, or their paycheck to paycheck, but we can start to have them understand they are respected by a professional that's interested in what's happening with them, we wanna get them the best care, we wanna guide them, we wanna support them. And and sometimes that turns on a whole lot of other things for that patient, to be able to be empowered to do things.
0: So in a way is this a throwback to the practice of medicine uh, that frankly predates my lifetime
1: <laughs> not mine I'm older than you <laughs> so I, I remember when community hospitals used to be just community hospitals I'm not not big business but um, yeah it is it's sort of back to your old general practitioner who managed everything it's just that we got a lot more resources that we can use more effectively so um, and we have more knowledge and we can we can see things earlier and faster but um, but I but I think um, I think our patients really really like the idea that somebody listens to who they are and why they're different from you or from me or from anybody else. What's unique about them? Our providers like learning that. Originally I thought, gee, are we gonna are the providers gonna like being in a being in an organization where they're gonna see the same people for the next twenty years? And so it was a worry to me when we started this. So I thought it's gonna be interesting because you know, our first provider, he, he had 20, 2,100 patients. And I thought, is, is after the first year is are going to say, oh, I've seen enough of these people. <laughs> and what, in reality, what happened was, he got to know each and every one of those people as an individual. They're all unique. So it's not like he was seeing the same thing all the time. He was seeing a unique, 2,100 unique real people with real issues and real things going on. Versus if you're in a health system practice, a lot of times what you're doing is you're seeing flu, cold, allergy, flu, cold, allergy, but you miss the person sometimes in there. And so they, I mean, they love what they're doing because they're actually putting all the pieces together and saying, they, they came in for strep throat, but guess what? We found out that they have all these other things going on. And we've had some incredible cases in that capacity.
0: You did a great job telling your story. So, it's
1: it's a it's a good story. I mean, it's people love it. People, and I said in my lifetime, it's the first time I've seen happy patients, happy payers, happy providers
0: all in the same. Place. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> all three of those are miserable. But I know,
1: I know. It's pretty fun, actually. I mean, the providers are they like it and they like the freedom. I think from. From, yes, people are like, oh, you're salarying them. Are they going to do the right thing? Well, no, treat them like adults. They're empowered, brilliant people that understand the process, and they can manage that population. So what we say to our provider team is, this is your population to manage. And we've seen, you know, we work in a company where the nurse practitioner, they they were high craftsmen, so they'd bring them in, and they'd be from other states. And our nurse practitioner discovered one guy who found out that he was diabetic, had no idea he was diabetic, and he started to see blood. Um, his, you know, veins starting to stick out and see infections coming on his foot she literally went to his his place of work every day to make sure he was cleaning his wound taking care of it and making sure he was doing the right medication until he got on the right track but they love it because they can do that because they have that freedom to be able to do that they can take care of their patients however they want to and we say to them you know if person if they want to do telemedicine they're still doing it with the same team it's not fragmented if we want to do phone calls you can do that because you now know them really well and you can do that um so and the providers have the opportunity to work with the employer and go we're changing our formulary this population needs a whole lot of these kind of medications you know it's it's what's not to like for the provider what's not to like for the patient or the payer
0: so anyone do house calls
1: (laughs) so here's the story yes um so we had a patient that that we were taking care of couldn't couldn't get transportation, couldn't get to so the facility they were at, was not close to our clinic, our provider said, you know, we'll go over there and take care of them, their house.
0: Unheard of. <laughs> it's fabulous. Yeah,
1: it's pretty much fun.
0: Excellent. So, yeah.
1: So I'm going to start listening to your podcast. It was pretty cool. let
0: yes.